Mr. Elanga continues to retain his ministership, and of course, that is a sign that uh, that uh, Gorka is is in favor with uh, with the government, with the president, and uh, of course that helps to uh, boost his image. This is episode two of Indonesia In-Depth podcast. We are very lucky today to have an important and distinguished guest. His name is Mr. Marzuki Darusman. For those of you who are not familiar with Mr. Marzuki, he is a lawyer and a senior member of the Gokal Party, which is the second largest political party in Indonesia. He has served as chair of the Indonesian National Human Rights Commission, as well as serving as attorney general. In 2009, he was appointed by the UN Secretary General to a UN Commission of Inquiry to investigate the assassination of the former Pakistani Prime Minister Benazir Bhutto. In 2010, he was assigned to serve as chair of the UN Secretary General's panel of experts on Sri Lanka. And later, he was a member of the Commission of Inquiry on Human Rights in North Korea. And now he is currently the chairman of the UN Independent Fact-Finding Team from Myanmar to investigate the Rohingya situation and the accusations of acts of genocide in the northern Rakhine state. Mr. Marzuki, thank you for being on this episode of Indonesia In-Depth. My pleasure. I want to talk about development since President Widodo took office in 2014 and where things are headed. This is President Widodo's third year in office. He came into office lacking a strong grasp of the national political dynamics, which was clearly evident in his first year in office. Many in his cabinet outmaneuvered him at that time, and there was a lot of infighting in the cabinet. How do you see President Widodo evolving since then, and what do you see as his biggest accomplishments to date? Yes, well, uh, I think the general sense is that that uh, he's done well in terms of establishing his uh, authority as, as leader, and I would I would agree with that. There was a time when people thought that uh, because of the way he had uh, won the elections on the basis of uh, so many uh, parties and interests. Uh, supporting him that uh, he would be in in debt to mm-hmm. uh, many of these uh, groups which uh, would then uh, slow down his his uh, his initiatives uh, because of uh, crisscrossing of uh, so many differing uh, focus uh, that it might even affect the, the stability of the presidency. But then uh, what has happened is that he's been able to emerge uh, as, I think, the person in, in government that has the last say on, any, on, uh, on almost anything now. Uh, and uh, he has, I think, uh, very skillfully used the platform of the presidency as the final arbiter of uh, policy to converge everything uh, onto his office and therefore use that as, as a tool uh, or as a uh, uh, means of, of consolidating his, uh, his position. So the president has consolidated his power and is now trying to make up for lost time during the beginning of his term? That much is clear to political public. And uh, looking ahead, of course, it's a matter of uh, looking how uh, he is able to maintain this. And uh, I think the public understands that 
some of his programs may may have been delayed because of the initial uh, couple of years of consolidating power. Uh, but then, as of now, uh, the expectations are higher that uh, he has a lot to catch up with on on special infrastructure projects and uh, and getting uh, the things done that he's promised uh, during the uh, presidential election. It is now 2018, and it seems that all eyes are on the upcoming 171 regional elections in June. How will this impact the government and the political environment going forward? Uh, so 2018, I think, is going to be a very interesting year. Uh, it will be a transitional year, of course, towards the next presidential election. The downside, of course, is that election season is coming quite early uh, this time because there's so much speculation on uh, the next uh, elections in 2019. But uh, the expectation, of course, is that uh, if things take their course as the way they are now, uh, he would be he had he would have a fair chance of being re-elected. Uh, unless there's a, a, a sudden development that, that uh, might hold things up. Uh, the downside, as I mentioned, was, would be that the whole year will be perhaps shortened in the sense that government will only be working for another six months till maybe August or September. And then, and then that's where the election processes uh, uh, kick in there. The president seems to be betting it all on infrastructure projects for his re-election. Do you think it will pay off? I think the president knows that uh, much hinges on what he is able to achieve uh, up until the end, so that uh, he becomes credible as a as an incumbent uh, that uh, merited uh, another term. But on all in all, I think uh, if things continue the way they are, I don't see any immediate crisis in looming. The internal situation, I think, is well well managed. There might be attempts to to uh, destabilize uh, the situation on the basis of uh, some of the uh, visible populist movements. Uh, but if the general uh, mood holds like this, then there will be, of course, ups and downs. But uh, all in all, I think the president has 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 managed to overcome the the more uh, critical, uh, what is this, um, aspects of, of, uh, of his leadership. President Widodo now has a strong ally in the military with the appointment of the new armed forces chief. And he has a strong ally in the Gokal Party. These are both significant. The armed forces are now fully uh, in line with, with, uh, with his policies. The political parties are now competing against each other for for uh, primacy in the next election. So, uh, in fact, uh, he would he would be uh, a a factor uh, that could impact on the uh, on the fortunes of uh, political parties. And uh, I think what they're looking at is how all these parties would be able to claim uh, advantage in supporting the the president in his uh, re-election. And therefore, I think the, the immediate the immediate concern of parties is to get uh, the best rating, approval ratings as, as much as possible within the coming six months. Or so, so that whoever ends up in the three major parties would then, would then be able to start negotiating who would be the best uh, party to, uh, to support uh, Mr. Jokowi. Back in 2014, the president came into power and was heavily reliant on PDIP and the chairwoman Megawati. 
Things have changed, haven't they? He's clearly in in in, in charge, and uh, uh, he is able, I think, to to decide uh, which party he would favor, uh, supporting him. So he's uh, he's in that position. He's in an ideal position at the moment. I think the party know the party uh, political party knows knows that. You know? President Guido has become very close to Golkar now, and also has a close relationship with Golkar's new chairman, Yolanda Hartato. The party is attempting to recreate its public image now. How do you see this relationship going forward as we move towards 2019? Well, uh, the changes in Golkar, I think, have uh, helped to to uh, get the public the public's attention again on on, on Golkar because there's always been this this uh, hope put on 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 Golka as as uh, as a party that uh, goes back in, into history and has a record track record of uh, taking the lead on on uh, economics and and development and uh, that and therefore if with the changes uh, in place now uh, i think uh, in in a, in a month we'll know the whole lineup uh, that would i think uh, will allow the party to to profile itself in a new new light uh, uh, with the public, and uh, of course, uh, if Mr. Elanga continues to retain his ministership, and of course, that is a sign that uh, that uh, Golka is is in favor with uh, with the government, with the president, and uh, of course, that helps to uh, boost its image. This is a this is a new this is a momentum in itself, unexpected. It's it has great potential in in uh, projecting Golka uh, within the uh, higher higher brackets of uh, of the approved ratings. Yeah? Do you think the president will keep the Golka Party chairman Elanga Hartato as the Minister of Industry? As you recall, back in 2014, the president said he wanted a professional cabinet and required all members to relinquish senior positions in political parties. Do you think the president will provide an uh, exemption for Elanga on this? Uh, I think I think uh, that's the general sense that that, uh, that uh, people in Golka have that uh, Elanga will continue as a uh, minister because that's the only that's the only uh, uh, element that gives him advantage against the other contenders for the chairmanship. Of course, uh, it, it's a presidential prerogative to to uh, set these, uh, the policy on doubling up as as chairman and and uh, minister. In the cabinet, if Irlanga is replaced, could that turn into a total reconfiguration of the cabinet and sort of spin out of control? What happens to the cabinet if Irlanga is replaced? If he lets uh, Irlanga go, then, then, uh, then of course uh, he will have to realign the whole cabinet again, you know, and then that that has its drawbacks. You know? mm-hmm. I don't think there's been any voices against this for the moment. Yeah, so I think I think uh, it's it's safe to say that uh, he would he would retain his ministership uh, for the moment. Can you speak a little bit about Parliament and uh, how Golkar's party under the former chairman Setia Novanto, who was also Speaker of the House, uh, was very supportive of the government since they joined the coalition in 2016? Will there be any changes in the House when it comes to supporting the government, seeing there is a new House Speaker and and also a new uh, chairman of the Golkar party? Well, the, the nature of Golka is, has always been that it, it's a, it's a uh, government-supporting party. I think the, 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 the basic line will continue, and that is to, to manage things in a way that maintains a close relationship between Parliament and, 
and the government. Uh, there's no con contest on on the chairmanship uh, being uh, allocated to Golkar. So it's more of an internal issue within within the party. But uh, I think they will want to make sure that uh, whoever becomes a speaker and and they and the uh, chairman of the faction are all uh, aligned to the uh, basic policy of uh, Golkar being supportive of the president because that's that's a party manifesto in, in supporting uh, President Jokowi for for his re-election in 2019. So the line has been drawn already, and and uh, so uh, one would expect that uh, anyone who replaces uh, the former chap uh, speaker is going to be someone that uh, understands that while parliament may have to be seen as independent of the government, but uh, then again, uh, collaboration between these two institutions are are crucial in in bringing bringing the economy forward and then seeing to it that uh, politics are more or less stable. In. So you don't expect any changes with Golkar's support in Parliament towards the government's programs and policies? That's the sense that, uh, that uh, people have. Uh, so it's, 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 everything will just be, will, uh, will be settled in a way in, in the coming one or two months, uh, maybe even sooner. Then uh, the parties will then gear up for the presidential elections and the general elections. I think the, the next big agenda is perhaps to find uh, who the running mate could be. I think the, the general sense is, is there that uh, well, if the president could, uh, intends to continue, uh, which, which of course is, is clear, that he might want to uh, pick a different running mate this time. Could Widodo's next VP running mate potentially come from Gokar? That running mate could, could, could potentially come from Gokar, but it could uh, be a bipartisan uh, choice with uh, the other big parties, maybe PDIP, uh, most probably. Less so, I think, uh, if it's from Garindra. Yeah. Uh, because at the end, I think these are the two parties that really matter, you know, uh, PDIP and Gokar. To a certain extent, the historic party PPP is, uh, brings the moderate, moderate Islam uh, element into the gov uh, to governing. Some observers saw the Jakarta election in 2017 as a barometer of secularism in Indonesia, and we saw a move towards political Islam during that election. Do you see that potentially happening in the 2018 regional elections in places such as West Java, which have traditionally been more conservative? Uh, well, this is a question that's no less important than the previous ones, but uh, I think this, this is uh, something that commands uh, attention from the international community. I wouldn't be too worried about the Jakarta elections being a barometer. The so-called Sharia vote has always been limited to, to, a, to a less than 15% of the overall national vote. Yeah? Uh, so we'll have to see if, uh, if there's any impact from the Jakarta elections on the general elections. If uh, the 2019 elections show that the so-called Sharia vote uh, starts creeping up to 15%, then we might have to take another look at it. But in the meantime, uh, it's it's everyone, anyone's guess uh, how the outcome is going to be. But and and so uh, it's overly speculated that uh, Jakarta is going to be the barometer. No, Jakarta is not the barometer. It, it, in that sense, yeah? it never has been because uh, Golka has not really fared too well in Jakarta, in spite of the fact that it 
it's the it's the party for development, and and Jakarta is the is the most urbanized uh, uh, what is this uh, city in, in in Indonesia. You'd expect that Golkar would be winning all the time there, but it, it, it's not the case. So so it's still out. The jury is still out on that. And uh, in a way, I think uh, even if it moves uh, uh, up a bit, uh, it doesn't really mean anything in that sense because. Uh, this is a really pluralistic uh, country, and and, and uh, it, it's it's been this, the case since the very beginning. There's a lot to watch in 2018, so we'll keep an eye on it. Thank you for your time, Mazuki Darusman, and thank you for being on Indonesia In Depth podcast. My pleasure.